0: For patients with extensive hepatic malignancy, attempts to cure their illness are rarely, if ever, successful. We're learning, however, that a more aggressive surgical approach may extend survival rates well beyond those of our previous work. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon. Our guest today is Dr. Alan Hemming, Professor of Surgery and Chief of Transplantation and Hepatobiliary Surgery at the University of Florida College of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Hemming.
1: Thanks very much for having me on, Mark.
0: We are discussing a more aggressive approach to hepatic resection. Dr. Hemming... If you could tell us in the past what was considered unresectable and how has that changed now?
1: Well, if you go back to when liver surgery first started in surgery, the liver is always being thought of as a very dangerous thing to operate on. The liver is essentially a blood filter with very high rates of blood flow through it. So obviously operating on it could cause a huge amount of blood loss. And even back in the 70s, the operative mortality associated with liver resection was as high as 50%, and I can tell you that if that was our operative mortality these days, I wouldn't be that interested in doing it.
0: Well, what's changed?
1: Well, there's been a whole variety of things that have changed in medicine. Some of them have to do with surgical technique. Some of them have to do with anesthesia and post-operative care. A lot of the advances have come through both gains in things to do with surgical oncology type of operating and the addition of liver transplantation in the late 70s and early 80s have added a whole series of new techniques that involve controlling blood flow to the liver.
0: Well, in the 70s, what was considered unresectable? Specifically.
1: Any tumor that had involvement of any of the major blood vessels in the area and the major blood vessels in to the liver or around the liver are structures like the portal vein, the hepatic veins, which are the outflow to the liver, and inferior vena cava. Anything in anywhere close to any of those structures were made liver surgeons fairly nervous because of the large amount of blood loss that could happen during the case.
0: And now what is considered unresectable?
1: Unresectable right now is really very controversial. These days, we can resect almost anything, whether we should or not is another question. The technical ability to remove things has grown tremendously, but what we haven't quite kept up with is the biologic therapies to deal with the underlying cancer process.
0: Well, where do you draw the line between extremely aggressive hepatic resection and just taking out the entire liver and transplanting?
1: Well, in some ways, we actually do use liver transplantation as a treatment for cancer. Where we draw the line is really where the tumor originates from. If the tumor is a primary liver cancer, that means arises in the liver, then transplantation may be an option for it. In cases where the cancer has started somewhere else and metastasized to the liver, then transplanting, taking the whole liver out, and putting a new liver in generally doesn't work because cancer cells are elsewhere in the body, and with transplantation, we have to take the liver out, put a new one in, and immunosuppress patients. And the effective immunosuppression lets any cells anywhere else in the body grow rapidly, and we lose. It was something that was tried early in transplantation and found just not to be effective.
0: Well, what made you think that being more aggressive in surgical treatment of hepatic malignancies would actually improve prognosis?
1: If we start with liver surgery originally, we started off resecting single lesions to the liver, and we found that if we could get a clean margin, in other words, a bridge of tissue in between the cancer and the normal liver, that we had some survival. But we wouldn't extend it farther than that to bigger cases because the techniques weren't available to take out more liver or to deal with some of the blood vessels. Then a little technical advance were made in liver surgery, and we extended it to slightly bigger liver resections, found that as long as we got clean margins, that once again we could cure people. And at each step, we've developed new techniques, and a large part of this has come from liver transplantation. And the merging of the techniques have allowed us to get more and more aggressive and still get clean margins. So really it comes down to if we can remove the cancer safely and give us a margin, then there's some benefit the question of getting more aggressive also has come up because for some malignancies, our chemotherapy has gotten a lot better. So that it makes some sense to be very aggressive with what appears to be a localized malignancy and give chemotherapy to treat whatever else may be remaining.
0: Well, my next question actually, does chemotherapy in of itself or radiotherapy or cryotherapy or all the other different types of non-surgical therapy, have they not been successful in terms of primary treatment for hepatic malignancies?
1: If we start with chemotherapy, I think that chemotherapy alone doesn't cure hepatic malignancies, whether they're primary or secondary. If you go to the next part of what you asked, which was cryotherapy or radiofrequency ablation, which are both operative and non-operative techniques, we can do them percutaneously where we put probes in and either freeze or cook the tumor plus a surrounding zone of normal liver. Radiofrequency ablation and cryoablation can provide cures in some patients and for some types of malignancy, but in general, surgery provides a better cure. There are times when we will use a combination of surgery and radiofrequency or cryoablation, and that's you know what we would term an aggressive operation. And there's also times when we would use both chemotherapy, cryoablation, and surgery altogether, trying to maximize our outcomes.
0: If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and our guest today is Dr. Alan Hemming, Professor of Surgery and Chief of Transplantation and Hepatobiliary Surgery at the University of Florida College of Medicine. We're discussing a more aggressive approach to hepatic resection. Dr. Hemming, you've published a great deal of data on the more aggressive forms of hepatic resection. Tell us about your research, the populations of the patients, the gender, age, and everything.
1: The latest publication that we had went over about 116 patients that were originally thought to have unresectable disease, and that was from over a 10-year period from 97 to 2007. And during that time period, we resected about 830 patients total, 116 of which were looked at that were considered unresectable initially. What that meant was that patients were seen at other centers that did liver resection that were technically called high-volume centers. And what that means in the literature anyway is any center that does more than 15 cases a year and we had been evaluated and said that there was no treatment for them in terms of surgery. We then looked at them and thought that perhaps we could do something for them and went on to resect them. Those were men and women that were between the ages of 18 and 74 years old, and there were 74 men and 42 women. There were a variety of different diagnoses in that group including patients with primary malignancy as well as metastatic malignancy in other words there were some patients with hepatocellular carcinoma a primary malignancy there were some with cholangiocarcinoma a primary malignancy as well as patients with metastatic diseases like colorectal cancer metastatic to the liver or sarcoma metastatic to the liver but
0: what was the most common
1: in this particular series the most common underlying malignancy was intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma if you look at what most people are doing liver resections for, that would be an unusual population. I think the reason that we see it in this population is intrapatic cholangiocarcinomas tend to be aggressive and grow into the vessels of the liver, and particularly in a bad place around the hepatic veins, which make it very difficult to deal with with standard liver resection.
0: I would almost think that hepatic metastasis from, let's say, colorectal carcinoma would be very high on your list.
1: If you looked at the overall number of patients that were done during that time period, it is very high on the list. But colorectal metastases, by and large, can be resected with standard liver resection techniques and so don't fall into the aggressive category. The ones that did required either what we call stage resections, where we resect one part of the liver initially, wait for the liver to regenerate, and then resect another part of the liver, or if they were involving a particularly bad location.
0: How much liver can you resect? and actually have enough left to regenerate?
1: In a standard liver, we can resect up to about 80% of the liver, leaving 20%, and there'll be enough liver to regenerate. That's in a normal liver. If the liver's been damaged by chemotherapy or it has underlying disease like cirrhosis, then that changes substantially.
0: And on the stage procedure, how long do you wait?
1: In a stage procedure, what we do is an initial resection that takes one part of one side of the liver, and we tie off the branch of the portal vein, which is inflow to the other side of the liver, what that causes is a diversion of flow to the side that we didn't tie off. That will cause that part of the liver, that side of the liver to grow usually by about 30 or 40 percent over a six-week period. We'll then restage patients at the six-week mark. And if they have not developed new tumor in the part that we had initially planned on leaving, then we'll go ahead with the second operation.
0: You mentioned an 18-year-old. What did that 18-year-old have?
1: I believe that 18-year-old had a cholangiocarcinoma.
0: You know, you spoke about technique. I've been in practice long enough that I remember all the early techniques, the backhand of a blade, using just electrocautery, using the neodymium YAG laser, using the harmonic scalpel, uh, using ultrasonic dissection, finger fracture, just every possible way because the liver is obviously not an easy organ to deal with. How technically, interoperatively, do you deal with the liver resection?
1: Some of the things you were mentioning are different ways of dealing with what's called the parenchyma of the liver. In other words, there's a sort of meat towards the liver and there's blood vessels and bile ducts inside. And the techniques you're talking about essentially fracture or get rid of some of the parenchyma leaving the vessels for us to deal with. So there's different tools these days for coming through the liver, including some of which you mentioned, and we have a few newer ones. There's a water jet. There's a variety of different ultrasonic aspirators now. It really doesn't matter. It's whatever the surgeon is comfortable with. The other major improvement in technique is the ability to control the blood flow through the liver so that if we're having some difficulty with bleeding in the liver, we can just stop the blood flow to the liver, and that stops the bleeding. That used to be thought was something that was very dangerous to do, but now we do it routinely.
0: Do you routinely use shunts?
1: Routinely. We would actually very rarely have to shunt blood flow, except in very, very complicated cases where we may take the liver out, temporarily cold perfuse the liver, create a shunt for the blood flow that used to be coming from the gut, from the portal vein into the inferior vena cava. And that gives us time to work on the liver on the back table before we auto-transplant it back in.
0: How many of those have you done?
1: There's two different sorts of that technique. One is called ex vivo, where we take the liver completely out. And I've done a total of eight of those, although only four are in this particular series. And then there's another technique, which is called in situ cold perfusion, which is... A similar technique, but we don't completely disconnect the liver from the body. We cold perfuse it and rotate it up out of the abdominal cavity. And that, I think I've done about 12 of. And I can't remember how many it was in the last series that we reported.
0: I want to thank our guest, Dr. Alan Hemming. We've been discussing a more aggressive approach to hepatic resection. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring on demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll free at 888 MDXM 157. And thank you for listening.